Good morning. Those were the Shelters, one of my favorite bands. That was the song Bird Watching. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to kick off the show is Linda Stacy. She's a New York columnist and NY1 co-host of the show What a Week. And she has a doozy of a thriller coming out. It's called The Book of Judas. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Linda Stacy. Good morning, Linda. Hi. Hi. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Tell me, before we get into your book, I want to find out how you became a, you know, a writer and a reporter and what led to writing these books. Well, when Buddha was born, I started writing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been writing since I was born, actually. I mean, since I was able to pick up a pen, I've been writing. It just it comes as naturally to me as... Um, speaking, you know, I mean, it's just something I do. So um, I was able, and I feel internally grateful for this, that I've been able to have a job Mm -hmm. that I would do for free. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's really a very remarkably lucky and privileged thing to be able to do something that you would just do anyway. It's an interesting balance between, you know, you write for the New York Daily News and, and then you, you know, you've written a lot of nonfiction and then you write this fictional book. How did that come about? Well, it started with the first book, and each one of my, these novels, is The Sixth Station and, and this new one, Book of Judas, have really, now I don't want to sound crazy, mm-hmm. but they were fed to me. It Tell almost, me that had nothing to do with me. I mean, they were uh-huh. literally fed to me, and they're both about spirituality, and um, and I'm an agnostic, you know, which means mm-hmm. that I don't believe in any particular religion. I believe in all the philosophers and all the spiritual beings, but mm. I question everything. And, um, I like that. Suddenly I, suddenly I was fed these books, and the first one started when I visited the House of Mary in Turkey, which surprised me. I didn't know that Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, ever lived in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And I started having visions. And then this book wow. was very interesting because I was finished writing The Sixth Station. I was so glad. I was never going to do this again. It just <laughs> took too much. And um, laying in my house that I'd owned for 12 years, mm-hmm. and I'm laying on the couch happy as a clam, and I look up on the bookshelf, and there's a book called... Uh, I, Judas, by Taylor Caldwell, and I thought, weird. I've yeah. lived here 12 years. That book's never been here. So I asked everybody in my family. Nobody brought it. We, nobody had any idea how it got there. Bizarre. So I started reading it, and it was uh, told from Judas's point of view, and I thought, well, it's interesting. So a couple of days later, I was in Princeton, New Jersey, with my daughter, mm-hmm. and we went <clears throat> for a girls' getaway weekend. And because she's a huge pain in the butt, she wanted to, <laughs> in a sporty pants, she wanted to go to the Princeton bookstore when I just wanted to have spa treatments. Mm-hmm. So, so we went to the Princeton bookstore, and there on the front table is something called Interpretation of the Gospel of Judas by Elaine Pagels. Wow. And I thought, 
so weird. Yes. Two Judases in three days. Right. So I start reading it. Here's where it gets really weird. I start reading it, and it says that this Gospel of Judas had been lost for 2,000 years, was found sometime in the 70s, got lost and found and lost and found on the black market, and it ended up in a bank deposit box in Hicksville, Long Island. So I thought, uh, I grew uh, up in Hicksville, Long Island. Right. Then it says it was found in a safety deposit box in the Citibank branch <laughs> on Broadway in Hicksville, Long Island. That was my branch. Oh that my was my gosh. parents' branch. Unbelievable. So I said, mm, damn, here we go again. Here we go. I got <laughs> so to pay I had attention. To write it. Yeah. I spent a couple of three years just doing hard research, traveling to the Middle East, doing everything I had to do, climbing through caves, doing what I had to do, and I came up with the book. Unbelievable. Now, did your family say, Mom, have you lost your marbles? Or were they just No, like, they're go used for it. to me. I love it. They're used to me, and they have their own spiritual stuff going on all the time, too. So we're very open to that kind of thing. I love it. And so nobody thought I'd lost my marbles. They just thought, oh, here, she's going to go again. <laughs> she's going to drive everybody crazy with this again. It's exciting. I mean, because I, I feel like for what you do, you're a detective. You know? Yes. You have to yes. follow those those signs that come up in everyday life. I feel like the same thing, you know. Well, there you go, you see. I mean, how many times does this happen to you? It happens often. We just have to be aware. Yes. And I don't think I'm special that it only happens to me. I think it happens to everybody. Oh, yeah. But because I do what I do and I'm a reporter, I notice everything. Right. And I follow everything. You have because to. that's what yeah. I do. Right. And that's, that's what just makes you tick. Yes, yes. You know? Um, I, I haven't gotten a sign for the third one yet. <laughs> Still, I want, now, this time I really, when, when I finish promoting the book and, and it's, it comes out tomorrow, then I'm really going to lay on the couch. <laughs> it another book doesn't show up on the shelf. <laughs> How funny. Uh, and did your daughter say, Mom, you have me to thank? Sure. She thinks she says that all the time. Oh, yes. I believe it. So let's talk about your book, Book of Judas. Can you talk about that a little bit? I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear what you oh, said. Oh, I'd love to talk about your latest book, Book of Judas. Could you okay. talk about that? So the book is uh, follows a protagonist that I started in the first book. And her name is Alessandra Russo, and she is, appropriately enough, a New York City reporter, columnist. And in, when the book, the, when the sixth station ended, she was in the middle of this earthquake, and it, and and she, but she was still suffering from what she thought was PMS. And she, and the book ends <laughs> with her saying, "But it's the mother of all PMS." Oh, brother! So, in the second book, Book of Judas, she has Alessandra is the single mother of a six-month-old child. And her best friend, who is a, fire, a, a former firefighter, calls her up, and he says that his hated father is dead. And she's like, okay, hurry up. I've got to get to the news meeting. And then he drops the bomb on her and says, well, he says he stole something, and it's worth a, a relic, and it's worth $10 million. Whoa. And the relic is... Uh, this the 
the missing pages of the Gospel of Judas. Yes. And when the, when, when the Gospel was discovered and Nat Geo started putting it together, there apparently are missing pages. So that's where it starts from. And my thought was, what if all this esoteric information that Jesus supposedly imparted to Judas, which is in the Gospel of Judas, okay. uh, the real Gospel of Judas, was about the resurrection, the secret to resurrection. And that's where the book takes off from. It's so interesting because previously you mentioned you're not a very religious person. I'm a spiritual person. You're a spiritual person. So I, these details are incredible. Well, it, it, you know, it is incredible that I, that I was led to the right places and had the right experiences. I mean, for example, <clears throat> I traveled to Israel, and I visited a very distant relative of my husband's. I mean, distant in that it is the cousin of my husband's sister's um, Cousin of your husband's sisters. My husband's sister's dead husband. Okay. You got it? <laughs> so and it, that's how distant this relative is. But right. I was told that I should go meet him because he's an artist and a mystic. So I traveled to Israel, went it, like a two-hour ride into the desert, came upon his home. And the second I walked in the house, the lights blew out. Whoa. So... I thought, okay, it was a fantastic house he and his wife have, and, you know, they're artists, and there's all these ancient pieces of pottery all around the place and everything. And I, mm-hmm. So he said, oh, come on, let me show you the basement. And I thought, okay, here's where I get killed. Yes, that's I'm going you. down into the basement <laughs> with the lights blown out of this man. So either there's going to be a finished basement <laughs> with a bar, and I'm going to have myself a nice drink, or I'm going to be killed. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I go down into the basement, and I swear... Under his house is a 3,000-year-old burial tomb. What? Yes. They discovered it during a dig about 10 years ago, and his finished basement is this burial tomb, and he's got it covered in candles, which was handy because the lights had blown out, and there's all the shelves from where the bodies were, and it's just incredible. Incredible. So, I mean, how do you make that stuff up? I wouldn't be able to make that up because it would never enter my mind that such a thing existed. Yes. So let me ask you, what is the process of writing this book? Is it very organic, or do you plan it? You know, you have an outline. I tr- I, I tr- I, interesting. Okay. I tried writing organically, mm-hmm. but then the characters seem to take over, oh, and yeah. they do what they want to do. Right. And that's, you know, it becomes like life, and you just, oh, well, now I'm going to go to the store, now I'm going to sit around, now I'm going to... Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with moving forward one one page to the next. So then I decided on the first book and the second that I absolutely have to make oh, an outline. Mm-hmm. And then I followed the outline until I realized that it may or may not be going in the right direction. Okay. And then I adjust accordingly. Sure. But I have a loose outline. It's not like I say, A, she walks into the room. B, she sits down. You know, it's not that. It's, it's a loose outline. Yes. So I... And, and with this book of Judas, I really didn't know where, how I would end it. Interesting. So I put no ending on that outline until it came to me what the ending should be, and that was organic. 
Unbelievable. I mean, I, I really get it because I like to write, and you just embody those characters, and you just see where it goes. Yes, but you have to be careful because the characters have a mind of their own, and they will take over. Right. How did you end up in the close to the public New York subway tunnel? Um, another bit of luck. I just happened to know a man who is a friend of the family who happened to be the head of the New York uh, MTA Construction Mm -hmm. Authority and was the man behind the completion and design of the Second Avenue subway. So I just figured, what the heck, I'll call him up and ask him. So I called him up and I said, Mike, what's the shot I can go down there? He said, 100%. Come on over. And I went, and I put on a hard hat and some, some giant high boots mm-hmm. and walked through this weird, weird subterranean world. Wow. Unbelievable. You're it fearless. Was, it was really weird. I know, <laughs> that but was weirder than the 3,000-year-old cave. Were, were you nervous, or were you just totally fearless? Uh, you know, I, I'm a reporter. I've, seen, I've been to everything mm-hmm. you can imagine. From hurricanes to murders, you know, right. uh, it doesn't it scare doesn't me. You. Right. I'm, you know, I'm more scared of what people, crazy people on the street, than I am of. I agree. Situations I agree. that I have somewhat control over. Yeah. Plus, you know, you live in New York. Right. So, <laughs> um, which is very tame these days. I liked it better when it was a little more raucous. Well, years ago, I was mugged. I remember broad daylight. Oh, I was mugged. Really? Yeah. It was with my um, stepsister and. I I could I noticed I felt these guys. It was at the time where there were a bunch of guys. Was one actually who had no legs? He was on a skateboard, and they would give everything. I to remember him. that guy. Okay, that's who I, I was, remember that man. Yep, I was mugged by that group of teenagers, and um, I was very stupid and fearless. And I went running after them because they took a gold chain off the back of my neck. They just I saw them following us. I stopped mm, and I yeah. looked in a in a window, and I could see the reflection, and I sensed it, and I told my sister to hey. stop. And um, I got to Central Park, and I said, I'm not going in there. And it's not, nothing's worth it, you know. No, but no, yeah, so certainly not a change. New York does make you um, fearless, and, you know, you have to know how to carry yourself, let's say that. Yes, but, you know, now I'm more frightened of the tourists than I, am, <laughs> oh, than I used to be of the muckers. <laughs> oh, seriously. Oh, my gosh. Tell me, because we have to wrap up soon, what would you like people to take away from this book? I would like them to take away a rip-roaring good tale that is based in truth, and I would like them to, to take away a question. Was, have we been sold a bill of goods about who betrayed Jesus? Mm-hmm. What if we've been sold a bill of goods for these 2,000 years? What if it's not true? You know, I actually, I'm not a very religious person, but I looked up who Judas was. And he's one of the 12 original disciples of Jesus and the son of Simon Iscariot. Am I pronouncing that correctly? So it was very interesting to kind of dig deep and see, you know, exactly who he is. Well, who he is, we will never really know. True. But if you, you, and I've interpreted a lot of the, the, the gospel of Judas myself, um, if you look at what he, there's, there's no way that this man 2,000 years ago would know about 
all this esoteric information, would know about sacred numbers, would know about, I mean, he, there's, it's, there's so much code in there about, about sacred numbers, about the planets, about where Jesus actually says he originated from. Wow. It's all in code, and Mm -hmm. it's there. And what I discovered is that the parts that are missing leave half words that are rotted and only the half words that remain. Every one of those half words relates to God or the universe in one language or another. It's, It's incredible. Incredible. Unbelievable. Um, I, before we wrap up, I want to ask you how, now you're known to be very outspoken and you have a column, a Sunday column, right? In the New York Daily News? A Sunday and a Wednesday column. Sunday and a Wednesday. Um, how did you get the confidence or have have you always been so confident to be very outspoken and, you know, just confident in what you believe in? Um, I think my mother was always outspoken. My dad was always outspoken, but not as outspoken as my mom. Mm -hmm. And it, it never occurred to her that women should ever not be outspoken or not say what's exactly on their mind. We used to cringe as kids. My mother would just let people have it. And then, but she was the kind of person she would tell them, listen, if your behind gets any bigger, you won't be able to see past you. And they would say, oh, thank you, Aunt Florence. <laughs> if I ever said that, they'd knock oh me for a loop. Gosh. But she just had this way of just always speaking her mind. Yes. I think so, it's very good to genetic. be out. Yeah, it is genetic. It's good. You know, I mean, having grown up in New York, I have a certain sense of confidence I'm proud of. And my dad was really outspoken. I wrote something uh, in the New York Times online after he passed away. And um, I used to say when he'd walk through Grand Central at rush hour, he would hit everybody with his briefcase. And he was so unapologetic. And I would have to deal with all the expletives that were coming from behind him. <laughs> my husband is like that. He's bigger than life. And... Just the other day, he was putting on a shirt. He's completely unaware of where he is, and he socked me in the eye as oh, I walked no. past because he was, like, putting his shirt over his head. It was like, can you even have any sense of space around you? Oh, my gosh. What a story that must have been. Well, let me t- make up a story how I got this black eye. No, I told everybody exactly what, how I got it my and how husband. he... Frankly, I, I iced it. It didn't turn black and blue, but I told everybody I could think of. Look what he did, because he has no idea. He's a bull in a china shop, even in his own home. How funny. He didn't like my new book. He, he clocked me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me, where can people find out more about you? I have a website, Linda Stacy S T A S S and Sam I dot com, Linda Stacy dot com, and uh, I've got my bio there and my columns and my books and fantastic. I do want to mention the name of your other books: Looking Good is the Best Revenge, A Field Guide to Impossible Men, Simply Beautiful Boomer Babes, and Scotto Sunday Suppers. Right, and my no- other novel is The Sixth Station, and then mm-hmm. Book of Judas. Fantastic. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. That was Linda Stacy calling in from New York to chat about her latest book, Book of Judas, which is out September 19th. And if you missed any part of this, it will be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. And all the bio information, info about the book is up on there as well. Uh, Again, Linda Stacy, author of Book of Judas. Will the discovery of the missing pages of an ancient book mean the end of the world? Very interesting read. 
All right, we're going to go on to a pre-recorded segment. I did, and then uh, after the break, we are talking with Mitch Horowitz, and we're going to talk about How to Own Your Own Mind by Napoleon Hill and the Path to Personal Power. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. (laughs) 